When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? I just witnessed one of the most completely, in the context of what it was, most completely ridiculous last few minutes of a football game I've seen in a long time. In the context of the division being on the line, the bye being on the line for the San Francisco 49ers, like for that game to come down to that situation was perfect. It was so funny because you're sitting there and it's like, all right, well, the, the Niners have this. And then the Seahawks start driving and then they get down to like the two yard line. It's like, oh, this is over because there was a moment where it's like, all right, now it's fourth down. Like the Niners did it like they, they got the stop, whatever. And then the Seahawks get the first down. It's like, well, now the Seahawks are going to win this game. And then they don't win the game. It was just a, a level as you have tweeted many times. The Seahawks cannot play a normal football game, and this was a perfect example of that. I I was thinking about that a little bit today when watching the game, and I was thinking that it's not just true from a game-by-game basis. It's also true from a play-by-play basis. (laughs) It really is. The Seahawks don't do normal plays. Like It's always Russell Wilson drops back. The pocket is a good example. The pocket will collapse. He'll just see a hole. He'll sprint straight forward. And then he'll like do a jump pass or something. And like that's kind you kind of see that more than than you like entire franchises have seasons where they don't do a play like that. And Russell Wilson will do like three per drive. It's just nothing happens normally in Seattle. I don't I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that, but it was uh, this is this is just proof that that there will never be a normal thing ever again in the history of the Seahawks. So it's we we say this as a joke, but I actually do want to kind of break down that idea because their point differential, I believe, coming into the game was like plus twelve. Yeah, like it was that, negative. It was negative one uh, midway through the game. So if that team had gotten you know the one the division whatever with the season that it's been in the NFC, it, it'd be kind of like really like this team is going to get the buy. And, and I think that we've had this. They, would, they ta- wouldn't have gotten the bye. They wouldn't have gotten the bye. Well, they, they, they would have won, won the division. Yeah. So and yeah. it would have been you know, Green Bay and uh, uh, New, Orleans. New Orleans. Yes. But it's we, we've I, I think that, you know, we've said this is a joke, but I, I do think it's something that, that's worth evaluating because they've won all these close games. And as we've talked about the Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson thing over the course of the season. And how the Seahawks don't put Russell Wilson in the best possible situation. I think that's an extension of this. Because they don't. Like th- This team has gotten by on the, like, the skin of their teeth in a lot of very close games. I-, I think they're dangerous, but I don't know how good they are. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I, I, I understand what you mean. And I understand that the point differential is important and that is yeah i was actually looking at that this week and you know there are not a whole lot of teams that that didn't have a good point differential that uh had success in the playoffs uh deep in the playoffs in the i don't know last four or five six years um you know obviously there's going to be exceptions that the denver 
Super Bowl team uh, that won the second Peyton Manning Super Bowl. Uh, that that was they didn't have an elite point differential. There are some exceptions, but but they, they had an elite defense though. No, like no, a no truly course, elite defense. No, 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 of course. It's, it's, and the it's, that was a little not. bit different. That was a little bit different. Uh, and but you know it was if you play the 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 Panthers Broncos game ten times, I think the Panthers probably win eight of those. Anyway, but let, let's, let's. I think leave it's that at least five. I think that's fair. I think it's like at least I don't know. Let's not get into that. But let's not relitigate <laughs> the 2015 Super Bowl. No, but, you don't um, want to spend the whole you don't spend the whole pod doing that after week 17. But when you when you have somebody like Russell Wilson, things happen. And I know that that most things are explained by statistics and point differential and analytics, and certainly we we believe in all of those things. But Russell Wilson makes things happen. Russell Wilson rises above his scheme. He rises above oftentimes the players around him, despite having. Um, more talent than usual than the last couple of years this year. But you know, I, I just think that there there's there's a case to be made that Russell Wilson can can make uh things that shouldn't happen happen. And that's from play to play, it's from game to game, and it's from season to season. So I would not, despite everything, I would not have been shocked had they won this game because by the way, they were one yard away from it or half a yard at one point. They were an incredible stop away. Um, it was, th- that was just an awesome game. It was an awesome performance for everybody. I, I, I wish there was a way for both of these teams, uh, to get a home playoff game. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, but all right. So if we're looking at the NFC playoff picture, the playoff picture in general, if you were playing in the, let's say the divisional round, because you know, one of these teams is going to get the Niners got the buy. Would you rather face the 49ers or the Seahawks? I'd rather face the Seahawks. I think so too. Wait, are, are we talking about like, I mean, obviously you'd face them on the road and all that stuff. I mean, the problem I, with the 49ers. I'm, 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 the, 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 I, I know. Neutral field. I'm just saying right. like kind of in a vacuum. In, in, the, in the Outback Bowl. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would rather face, <laughs> yes. I'd rather face this, the Seattle Seahawks. I think, dude, I think the Niners are really freaking good. I think the Niners so, are going to the Super Bowl. So I, I think the Niners are really good too. And I think that. The reason I believe in the Niners has shifted over the course of the season because there was a point, you know, halfway through the year and there have been a lot of smart people who have done studies on this in the sense that, you know, defense and defensive statistics are often based on the offenses you face, you know, the quarterbacks you face, everything else. I think that's proven out over the course of the last few years and over the first half of the season, the Niners played shitty defenses and their defense looked great. And then over the second half of the season, they've won all these high-scoring games. And that's why I think they're so dangerous in the sense that they've been able to kind of evolve into a different sort of team by the end of the year. Like, I think the scariest part about the Niners right now is the fact that they have Kyle Shanahan and a lot of really interesting skill position players on offense. Is that wrong? No, not at all. I mean, but we that was... It's funny because that was probably the preseason conventional wisdom. Too. That's exactly that's Shanahan, exactly right. Kyle Shanahan. It's you know the 49ers are a flat circle, and so they return to we love Kyle Shanahan, the scheme lord, and that all makes sense. And they still have talent on defense. It's just they need to get healthy on the defensive line to be as good as they could possibly be. Someone like D Ford has to come back. They they obviously invested significantly in that, and so I think that there are this team that we saw tonight can get better. Uh, once the pass rush gets healthy, um, you know I, I don't know what to deal with Jimmy Ward, but you know they've had they've been really banged up on on defense. D Ford, year. I mean, yeah, th- there are a lot of guys yeah. they need back for sure. Yeah, but I, I think this team is currently constructed can can win the NFC. They don't. I'm not. 
this is not kind of the Houston Texans type thing where it's, wow, they really have to get J.J. Watt back or whatever in order for him to be in a contender. I mean, this is the number one seed in the in the NFC, and I think that they are, they are I don't know. I mean, I, they're the best team in the NFC. There's a reason they're number one. They beat the Saints in New Orleans. I, I This is a, a, a kind of classic, at, this is kind of a classic kind of balanced football team that we actually, in an era, you and I have talked about this a million times, in an era where, if you have one elite unit, you can compete in this league. Um, there are some some balanced teams. All right. So you like you say they're the best team in the NFC. They have a very good chance to win the NFC. If you had to put some fake money down right now mm-hmm. on an NFC team, who would you bet on? Uh, the 49ers. Do you think they're the best team in the NFC as currently constructed in this moment? Are you, are you, I've, I'm answer, I've answered this question three times. Yeah, I guess. Yes. Oh, see, I don't. Okay. Are you think it's New Orleans Saints? I think it's the New Orleans Saints. Okay. So, but here's the thing is there's a, there's a chicken and egg thing here, right? Like we're not playing the Outback Bowl, right? We're playing. I think San New Francisco. Orleans can go to San Francisco and win. Yeah. But New Orleans has to play an extra game now. They don't get the rest. They don't get. I, you know, I know, and I, I, I know what the road that, is tougher. I know, right? And, and 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 I think that there's an amazing, you know, one of the lessons of the Eagles in a weird way was how significantly they changed what they did during the bye week. Remember that with John D. Filippo yeah, and I Frank do. Reich and Doug Peterson and all these guys. We heard so much about it before they started their run. They essentially treated it like a second training camp. They installed all this stuff, and and nobody's changing quarterbacks here, so it's not that deep. But what I am saying is, is that you can take that week off and you can do a lot of different stuff with it. And I think that's important. And I think that that's the, not only the health part of it, um, but just resetting the batteries a little bit are important. And then again, I can't do, I can't separate. I think that the uh, Sunday night football had the stat about the last six Super Bowls had teams with the bye. Well, I mean, also the last six Super Bowls had really good teams. And those, so those that's teams what I want to talk bye. about. Yeah. You cannot separate the, the talent that gets a bye from the fact they had a bye. These, you know, if, if the, if the Patriots or the 2015 Carolina Panthers had to t- took the sixth seed and had to play their games on the road, they'd still m- probably make the Super Bowl. Like that's that's sort of how this works: is the good teams make the Super Bowl, and good teams happen to to get the bye. So uh, it's hard for me to divorce those two things. Having said that, I do think the fact that the Saints will go into to San Francisco if they get that far is important. We've had that discussion on the show before about how. You know, typically the teams with the one or two seed have gone to the Super Bowl, but those are it's because they're the best teams. And the Saints, like, so let's just play it out, right? So they're the three seed in the NFC. So if they beat the six seed, who are going to be the Vikings, which is not an easy game, even though the Vikings aren't playing particularly well, they will likely go to Green Bay. Who would you pick in that game? It's absolutely the Saints right now, right? It is absolutely the Saints right now. So they, if they beat Green Bay in Green Bay, then they go to San Francisco. And the Niners obviously have the advantage of playing at home. But I do think a lot of the teams with the bye, the teams with the number one seed have gone to the Super Bowl is those are the best teams. And I just think the NFC is so stacked right now at the top that even if the Saints have the three seed, as I look at these teams, and I love the Niners, we both do, but I still think that at this moment, 
with Breeze coming back, being fresh, and just the level of talent they have top to bottom, I think they're the most dangerous team no matter where they have to play. Uh, I understand that. I think that, you know, listen, I, let's let's not do a Drew Brees outdoors discussion here. But I mean, I it doesn't matter that, where he's fucking playing right now. <laughs> I, I think the guy's that just Drew Brees, points. The Drew Brees is a really good quarterback, and I think that if they had the one seed, I'd probably pick them to make the Super Bowl. Um, just because I think that they are pretty much unbeatable in the dome, unless uh, Nickel Roby Coleman assaults a a, uh, a wide receiver i'm but, jealous that uh, you were at that game last year as i think back on like the way the, the league played out i kind of wish i had been there even though the afc champs game last year was amazing it was very strange it was a very strange game to be at because everything as you probably know if you go to a a big saints game is the energy before the game is incredible oh, it's, cr- it's crazy and walking around the blocks around the stadium it's it's unlike anything in football and when I got out of the game, which obviously, I don't know, 90 minutes, two hours after the final whistle, everything had cleared out, everything. And I remember there was, I was really hungry and there was a Jimmy John's maybe four or five blocks down the street. <laughs> and and I, I went in and got, and got a sandwich and there was just nobody in there. And this is like, I've seen, I, I, I kind of did that weird like, like end of La La Land type thing, spoiler alert, where you're like, wow, what would this be like? What would this street be like if the Saints had won that game? Like you're well, not, especially you're, in a you're, city you're not like even that. seeing. That's what I'm talking about. You're not even yeah. seeing. You're like rolling in your head like, wow, like this street would be completely filled with people. I would not be at this Jimmy John's. I would be elsewhere. Like they, it yeah. was, it was, uh, I would probably not even have gone out, you know, been able to walk down the street. Like it would have been crazy. But well, the stadium uh, anyway. is not far from like where things are very hectic late at night in New Orleans. It's like Correct. it's not but that no, far but, from craziness. Right. And what I'm saying is that there was no one on the street, even in the crazy parts uh, where where, you know, things are going 24 seven. There was everyone was just like, you know what? We're done. We're going to be done now. We're done. I was I was watching that game with I'm trying to think of who was all there. It was me. I think Jeff Darlington, Greg Bishop, maybe mm-hmm. from Sports Illustrated. We were all because in, in Kansas City they have like a really long, like a big area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The back, it's a, the back of where everyone sits in the press box, and even watching it was strange. But anyway, I so okay. I, I think we're on the same page in terms of who's the best teams in the who are the best teams in the NFC. So let's have a very brief Seahawks discussion before we move on here. So I think both of us believe that. Russell Wilson was probably the second most valuable player in the NFL this year. And that yeah. the C- the Seahawks really relied on him to be where they were. You know, the Seahawks finished 11 and 5. They had a very nice season, but they played a lot of one-score games. They had a lot of things go their way. I, maybe the Seahawks make the Super Bowl. I don't think they do. But it, it, let's say they lose in the divisional round, whatever. What do you, how do you feel about where the Seahawks franchise sits right now? Uh oh! Are you trying to get yourself in, in trouble again? I'm really not. I'm really not. I, I, I'm going to make you do it in order to not get myself the next no, game of Thanos video when they I, win the Super Bowl. I've been extremely consistent on this. Russell Wilson is good enough to make your franchise better. Full stop. Do they have a but nice? But should the core? franchise be better? That is my question to you. Well, okay. So you look at it right now. They have guys like DK Metcalf, who they hit on. They still have a defensive core that I think is pretty good. They still have Bobby Wagner. They still have 
you know, KJ Wright was making plays tonight. I think they've still got Shaquille pieces. Griffin's a really nice player. Sha- a lot of that Griffin, stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, there, there are pieces there. Should they be better as a franchise? Shouldn't everybody be better as a franchise? I mean, shouldn't the if Patriots you have, have Russell, lost to the Dolphins you, today? If you have Russell Wilson, shouldn't you be better? Shouldn't you be? Shouldn't if you have I, the second best player in the league? Shouldn't you have a team that can be the best team in the NFC and not somebody that has to scrape by? That's my question. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I think they're in a different cycle. I mean, part of why you made the mis- part of the mistake that that you made before this season was you thought that the down cycle of the Seahawks could was really down instead of just a little bit down. Right. Yes. Right. Really down and in the so, sense that they would go eight and eight. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And so. And, and so I think that the the floor on the Seahawks is much better than um, I, I'm more optimistic on what the floor of the Seahawks is than you are because I think Russell Wilson's really good. Uh, could I think they, the floor is, is, is very high. Scenario? I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the ceiling. That's what that's that's my question right, here. Right. Right. I yeah. I mean, I I think that they I think that you know like the Houston Texans who I'm watching highlights of right now. I think that they probably rely a little too much on the the heroics of of their quarterback. The Texans are obviously extremely different scenario, but I think could they could they get in two years an offensive head coach who lights it up and makes us wonder what we were doing the last four or five years of Pete Carroll? Possibly, but I do know that Pete Carroll. I think for all the stick he gets, he's a really good football coach, and I think that there's the Seahawks have for all of the strange games and the strange plays and the Brian Schottenheimer thing, they could be significantly worse. Look at freaking Dallas. I, I think you're right. And, and I do. Uh, Dallas is a really good comparison because I, the Pete Carroll offensive head coach thing is kind of where I'm going with this. And I think that their floor is extremely high. And I think that what John Schneider does and the moves he's been able to make over the last five, six, you know, 10 years, whatever, are remarkable. I think it's an incredibly well-run franchise. I just wonder if there is something there that's untapped based on how they're currently constructed. That's it. It's not an indictment of who they are, what they do, all of that stuff, because I do think that it absolutely could be a lot worse. I just look at what Russell Wilson has been this year, and I look at all the cap space they have next year, the fact that next year they're probably not going to be in that downturn when they're rebuilding a little bit. And I just wonder what they want to be and who the best people are to bring them there. That's it. How many games would the Seahawks win with Sean McVay? I don't know if he's the right guy to answer that question. I mean, I, or to, so I don't who's, know if he, who's I, the right guy. Who's the right guy in this scenario? Maybe it is Sean McVay. Maybe like okay. a good, a but good coach who has the who answer. Has, I, I kind of think the answer is, is 12 or 13 games. But do they win 12 Which, or 13 games in the way they did this year? Or do they win 12 or 13 yeah, games in a more convincing matter? way? Yes, it does. does that, okay. I mean, I, 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 think, don't, I, think, I, I think point differential does matter. I think point differential on how you win games does matter. Okay. I, I, I know what you're saying, but I'm just, I, I think that Pete Carroll winning a bunch of games for a long time. I think there's some earned credit there. I 100% agree with you. And again, this is not me judging the Seahawks or trying to say they're not good or whatever. It's really just kind of a thought experiment about what does this team want to be and how do they get where they want to go? And I just, I I, I don't know if the question is answerable right now, but I, I think the question is, is Pete Carroll the guy to bring them there? Is this style the style they need to play to get there? And I don't know the answer to that question. That's it.
man, I got a lot of friends who live in England, right? And they used to talk about not a lot, like like three. But we talk talk a lot. We no, we talk a lot, and so it seems like more, right? And they're all big soccer fans, and they used to talk about. And one of them is a huge Arsenal fan, and they used to talk about this guy Arsen Wenger, right? And every I know who Arsen Wenger is. He was the coach. Don't don't talk down to me. He was. I'm talking to the. I'm talking to the listener who might not (laughs) know. Um, He was the coach for like 20 years of Arsenal. And it's it it became in the same way like Bobby Bowden was like this at Florida State. Sure, um, there's a lot of people where they build the team into something, and then everyone forgets that they were the one who were responsible. And Mar- actually, Marvin Lewis was a little Marvin bit like Lewis this is as well. exactly Marvin who I was going to bring so, up. So he the, he takes a, a job from either bad to good or good to great or great to elite, whatever it is, and then no one remembers that it's really easy to screw everything up. It's really, really easy to screw everything up. And it's like, okay, maybe Pete Carroll in the long run has underachieved. But you know what? Oh, there's I don't think of, that's there's true. There's a lot of... No, but I, that might be the argument you're making. But what I'm saying I is, think is it's, that... I think in the last couple years, the okay. league has changed. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I, I don't think he's underachieved in the long term at all. Fine. But the league has changed. But there's you end up somehow with Zach Taylor. Or you end up with... With accidentally hiring, it's a really Freddie good point. I mean, like, there's there's a lot of could there is there a better coach for the Seattle Seahawks than Pete Carroll? Sure, Bill Belichick's probably a better coach, and, and there's probably you know five or six. But it, this is not the situation like we talked about in Dallas, where like 15 people could win 13 games with them, and instead Jason Garrett can't score any points and then doesn't know what he's doing. Well, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. He's scoring uh, a ton of points, and they have a great point differential, and they suck. They are one of the first teams in history, I think, to have a over 100-point differential, and they suck. Before the season started, uh, there are two teams that I kind of put in the same category when I thought about the trajectory, trajectory and the lifespan of the franchise, and they were the Baltimore Ravens and the Seattle Seahawks because you had te- coaches that had been there for a long time a GM structure at the very least that had been there for a long time. And they were teams that were reinventing themselves with those guys still at the top. And with the Ravens and John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta, whatever, the power structure involved, that was a franchise that was willing to reinvent itself in an aggressive way. John Harbaugh was willing to sit back and say, let's do something totally different. I don't think even with Pete Carroll as the with Pete Carroll as the head coach, I don't think that is ever on the table for the Seahawks. I guess that's what I'm saying. Because I think if, if, to have the same guy for a long time and to have that floor that we're talking about, I think you need to be willing to reinvent yourself and try ambitious aggressive things within that structure. And I just don't know if Pete Carroll is the person to do that. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I do think that part of the, I, I you know, remember the part of the Ravens overall is actually getting a new quarterback, and that's it's a little bit of a different situation. But I Did understand. Do the Seahawks what you're need saying. a new quarterback, though? No, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah. that that was the huge shift. They went from Joe freaking Flacco, who threw short of the sticks and and short of where he needed to on first, second, and third down at a historic big arm Joe Flacco rate at a historic freaking rate. And they went from that to Lamar Jackson, who scores every time he touches the football. Um, so I, I listen. I don't know. I, I, the Seahawks are about to play in the playoffs. They were a half yard away from 
winning the division and playing a home playoff game. And I think, see, it's, I think it's, that's the I, problem. I think it's kind of weird. We're doing a referendum. I do want to say, listen, this is from Bobby Belt. Since 1990, there are 163 NFL teams that have finished the season with a point differential of 100 or greater. The Cowboys are the only one of those 163 teams to finish with a 500 or worse record. Congratulations, Jason Garrett. You get a, f- a no job. Uh, I, I'm I'm very interested to see what happens with Jason Garrett this year. And again, I don't. I'm not trying to do a referendum on the Seahawks as a team. I think they're really good. And I think they're really scary. It's more to me about shouldn't they be something different than they are and maybe maybe they go to the freaking super bowl and and i look silly and i i think that's on the table i I just look at what russell wilson is and i look at what john schneider has done and i think what would this be if it were a little bit different that's it i'm I'm not trying to like bury the seahawks here i'm really not i I just it's that's kind of how i'm thinking about it right now is that this is a team that's going to get the five seed in the NFC, it's going to be a very hard road. They're likely not going to win a championship. And I just wonder what a couple tweaks would do to what that franchise is with some of the people in charge and the guy playing quarterback. I think there's a lot more franchises we could have been complaining about tonight, like the Browns or the Cowboys. Well, yeah, I but think those, are, those don't are matter fine. anymore. So I think that I think that the Seahawks in the very near term are going to be fine. And I think that they were half yard away from this being a very different conversation. They're going to go into Philly and basically just due to injury. I don't think that Philly, I mean, Philly has just, they, they Burnett, this guy, Burnett, who they signed on Christmas Eve. I mean, this is, they're down to bare bones, man, in Philly. I don't know half the players on the Eagles at this point. I also don't know half the players in the Seahawks. It's a good thing they signed Marshall Lynch Marshawn to running Lynch. back. Yeah, yeah, which is nice. All right. Do you want to start with those teams we should be burying? You want to start with stock down? Um, I feel like that. I think we should start yeah, with let's stock, do a down, stock down. Since since we are we inexplicably gave the entire Seahawks franchise a stock down. Let's get to some I, real I, stock I was downs. not I was not doing that. I don't want it to come off that way. I really you're don't. Feuding with the you get in one cable Thanos video, and all of a sudden you're feuding with the entire. <laughs> now all of a sudden you're feuding with John Schneider and Pete Carroll. I I'm not feuding with John Schneider whatsoever. Mm-hmm. John Schneider and I are on good terms, even though he doesn't know who I am. But all right, what, what stock down do you want to start with? I can't. Can I tell you something? John Schneider is such a personable guy that I don't know. Every time I see him, he is so nice to me that I think I think he knows who I am, but I guarantee you he doesn't. That's I don't the think, kind I've, of I don't think I've ever had a conversation with him. Oh before. no, I, I've had I've had maybe four or five, and every time he's like, "What's up, man? Great to see." You. And I'm just like, "This is awesome." Me and Johnny Schneider <laughs> are best friends. I guarantee you, he does not know who I am. I guarantee it. All right. Do you want to start with the Patriots? Uh, yes. All right. So, I do. I do want to start with the Patriots. All right. So here, I, I want to be careful here because as much as, you know, the cable Thanos thing was, it, it wasn't a great look for me. It, 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 the, sta- the stakes of it are still we're relative. Still, we're still going with the Seahawks. But I'm, I've said the stakes are still relatively low. Okay. If, I, if we bury the Patriots right now, I don't know how that's going to go for either of us. So where are we at? Because they're going to win the Super Bowl. So well, where someone are we sent at? me a tweet. Where are we someone at with the Patriots? Tweet. Someone sent me a tweet earlier today that was like, can't wait to hear Clark explain why we can't write the Patriots off. Like really sarcastically. It's like, well, you can't write them <laughs> off because they make or win the Super Bowl basically every year. And until they're eliminated, that's sort of what they do. 
So, so I, so this is my question to you at this point, losing the buy when it was on the line and with the way the offense has played and with how hard it is to rely on defense to win championships in 2019, do you think that they are a significant step down from the other teams in the AFC? Do you think this is the year where they do not make the conference championship game? Okay, so this is something that people circled a long time ago, which is you want the one seed in the AFC because you don't want to have to play Kansas City and or Baltimore. You don't want to have to play those teams in the, if you're the Patriots, you don't have to play those teams in the divisional round, right? The Patriots go from nailed on, we, we you know, we, we're going straight to the one seed kind of thing in September and October to the three seed. And I don't think going on the road is necessarily a problem. Um, I think they, they won in Kansas City last year. I think it's the teams they, you're playing against. I think it's going to be really freaking hard to play in Kansas City and then in Baltimore and run through that gauntlet. Tennessee's no slouch. I just think... You know, they're probably not going to lose two games in a row at home, and I also just think that Belichick can handle this. I just I, Sunday was a supremely weird game. I think they beat Tennessee, and if I had to guess, if I had to guess, they will probably lose to Kansas City, and I regret saying that out loud. If they lose to the Titans, like twenty seven, like twenty seven seventeen on Saturday, mm-hmm. it wouldn't shock you, right? It would not shock me. I don't think it's going to happen, however. I don't think it's going to happen either, but a couple things. This is anecdotal, but think about how they've played against Belichick, uh, former Belichick assistants in the last couple seasons. They, they got blown out by Tennessee last year. They lost the Lions last season. I think that those, those guys who have a sense of that team have coached well against them. And now you have Mike Vrabel, who they did it last year, coming in. I think that Tennessee team is good. I think that Tennessee team knows what it is in a lot of ways. And I think that's going to be a really close game. Even if the Patriots win it, that is not a walkover game with Tennessee winning. If Pittsburgh had been in there, I think it's a different conversation, but I think that Tennessee team is dangerous even at home for new England. I really do. Yeah. I just think about the elite guys on that offense, the the Tennessee offense, you have AJ Brown. You have, I mean, Derek Henry, how much money would you pay? So Derrick Henry's running straight towards you. And someone stops time and says, you don't have to get hit by Derrick Henry, but you have to give me money. What's your price point there? So I, I tweeted this when I did my all-pro team. I was going back and watching tape of, of all the defensive linemen. And I said that if you would give me a million dollars to block Cam Hayward for one play, I would take it, but I wouldn't be able to use it because I would be dead. So... I think Derrick Henry's probably in a so similar price range. It starts at a million for you. Wow. Yeah. No. I'm. I'm with you. Uh, I don't want to get. If, if I. If I really had to think about it, and it wasn't just a joke. So I'm asking you the the reverse. How much would you give? Would you give up like eighty percent of your cash on hand to get out of this situation? No. If if you told me you would it, take it, the Derrick Henry thing. Okay. If you if I don't you think, like if you stood in front of me with a bag. And the bag okay. had $100,000 in it. Okay. And, and you said, you can have this bag of money if you stand in front of Derrick Henry for one play. I'd probably take a hundred grand, but I think that's where it starts. So let me ask you a follow-up question. How quickly would you be able to return to normal work? 
Oh, six months. Yeah. No, I'd say it's like a month. <laughs> six months is probably a lot. But we said this a, debate of, at the WSJ. We said this debate about just like if you played in a full football game, how long would it take you to get back to work? If you a if you full got, football game, yeah. Would, oh, would, you, would, you, would you return? Would you return to normal activity within a year? Within a year, I probably yeah. could, but it definitely wouldn't be a month. Yeah, you could do a whole pod on hypotheticals like that, and we will not be doing <laughs> we, that. We, so, we will um, in the off season. That, that, we <laughs> March who, March fifteenth. Who? What hits will you take, and how quickly you can come back is definitely like a June first pod. Um. Yeah, I, I I'm with you on that one, and and so. I think that, um, listen, the Patriots look spent right now. And this is this is sort of what they do in December. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, they, they had that really bad game against Pittsburgh in what, week 16 last year. And then they just sort of turned it around. I think it was and, earlier than and, that. And won the Super Bowl. It was in December. And it was a 17 and 10 yeah. game. But regardless... Looking spent and then winning the Super Bowl is kind of what they do, and that's why we're also hesitant to to count them out. I'm not counting them out. I would not be surprised at all if they just start scheming them up and they and they make the Super Bowl. Um, but if I had to guess, right now, two weeks out, I think it probably ends for them in Kansas City. I think that's probably fair. I think that Kansas City and Baltimore right now look like they're in a different class than the Patriots are. All right, let's stick with stock down for a second here. Uh, let's just talk about some of the coaches that seem like they're on their way out. It, yeah. Obviously, we talked about Jason Garrett. I think that's a virtual certainty. I've had a lot of conversations in the last three or four days with people in Dallas about the thought process there, all of that stuff. I mean, th- that that's one we've known about. Is, I, I, can I stop you right there? I have not. Sure. I've been in Baltimore. I've not talked to anybody in Dallas, but I think the thought process is that Jason Garrett's a bad coach. So it, it's not even about that. It's it's not, it's not about whether or not he's going to stay. It's a, it's, it's about it's about where they're going to go and the reasons they're oh, going yeah. to go that direction. And I think that I'll I'll write about that soon. But I think that what happens with that franchise is going to be fascinating. But we've known that for a while. Things that happened today. Do you think the Browns losing this game today is a good thing for them? So Freddie Kitchens is not a good coach, and Freddie Kitchens was not going to be a good coach. That's so, kind of my question. Kind of a did it have to happen immediately thing? Yeah, I think so. Now, what happens next? There's all sorts of chatter about the front office setup and John Dorsey not maybe not getting along with John D. Podesta. Who gets final authority? What authority does the coach have in the situation? Who is the coach? Is it someone that that John Dorsey would really like? Is maybe an ex-Packers coach, something like that. Or is it someone that Deep Podesta likes? You know, someone like Kevin Stefanski, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, was was Deep Podesta one of Deep Podesta's choices a couple of years ago. So I think you start getting into situations um, where, and this happens in a handful of, of of front offices where there's just a lot of cooks in the kitchen and it just needs to shake out. So is is this going to be a good thing? And is everything going to be solved next week? I don't know, maybe, but I, I I do think that there's a fairly good chance that things there's an uptick from here because I don't think Freddie Kitchens was the guy. Reading that stuff about the structure there and about who gets final say and about who it, how, kind of is the loudest voice in the room, all of that stuff, it really kind of reminds you that ownership and how things work 
independent of who's the GM, who's the coach, all of that truly does matter. Because when I was reading that stuff, I was like, this seems like a bad idea. Like it's, I just think it's really hard to be successful when you have that sort of muddled kind of distribution of responsibilities. And I, I'm just not sure where they go from here because I think John Dorsey is good at picking the players. But if we have this really these blurred lines and this lack of organizational vision, that worries me. And it seems like that's where the Browns are right now. And that's where they've been for a really long time. Yep. I mean, we, this is this is the Browns. And that, that was the mistake that we made was they had the hallmark, the earmarks of sort of a smart franchise. They, they got good value on guys and they made nice moves. But just because you make moves that that make you resemble a smart franchise doesn't mean you are a smart franchise and that football is made up of thousands of little tiny decisions. And there are certain teams who make a vast majority of their decisions correctly. And there are certain uh, franchises that do not. And guess which teams typically end up winning over the longer period of time. Smart teams always beat dumb teams. Well-run teams always beat in the long run over a 10 year period. Let's say always beat poorly run teams. And this doesn't happen every Sunday, but it happens on most Sundays. And if you tally those up, it happens in most years and most decades. And the mistake with the Cleveland hype was mistaking a smart offseason for a smart franchise. And it's on them at this point going forward to build a smart franchise because it hasn't happened in Cleveland in a long time. Any other coaches you want to talk about before we move on? Coaches that will. Yeah, I think Ron Rivera is. So um, Ron Rivera is an interesting candidate in Washington. Um, A couple of reporters have said that he they're they're nearing a deal i guess uh he would get final say on the draft i think that that's a very very dangerous game to play with bruce allen still in the building he's out of football operations he has to go doesn't he i just don't understand i don't understand how you can bring in a guy like ron rivera and keep bruce allen it just seems like the worst idea have you have you checked in on the washington redskins anytime in the last 19 years (laughs) Yes, I have, and I've written about it extensively. It seems like the worst idea. Anyway, oh, um, God. So I think anyway. he's the right type of person to bring in there, as we've yeah, talked about. I actually, with, strangely, I actually strangely like Marvin Lewis more for that job. Which now is reported. That's not a, a bad idea. Ago. There was so there was an interview in the Bahamas. Apparently, uh, that was the report. <laughs> Marvin Lewis getting after it. And uh, I I think that 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 makes sense just from a reclamation project standpoint. And Marvin Lewis won games with Mike Brown as an owner. I think that's interesting. I think Ron Rivera might be a better fit somewhere else. But I don't know. I mean, I love Ron Rivera in Cleveland. Yeah. Where are we on Mike McCarthy in Cleveland? I'm not a Mike McCarthy guy. I I guess I I I just say that flat out. I, I just I'm not. I understand why you'd interview him, and I want to talk about this for a second when we get there, but I I understand why you'd interview him, but if I was going to hire one of those types of guys, like the retread who had like some sort of success over a long period of time, I would rather go with Ron Rivera. If you want to do the CEO type coach, I think Ron Rivera is the better choice. Yeah, or, or or Marvin Lewis. I would rather have Marvin Lewis or Ron Rivera if that's the type of head coach you want to hire. 
I don't know. Uh, my advice is everyone passes on the Redskins job. Oh, I, I, I absolutely would. I'm talking about for all the other teams. Uh, so with the Mike McCarthy thing, what I want to discuss very quickly, I like how the Panthers are going about this. And, I, you know, I'm sure Panthers fans may not be super excited about the idea of interviewing Ron Rivera, but this is, or excuse me, of interviewing Mike McCarthy. But when the reason you fire Ron Rivera with four weeks left in the season is to kick the tires on every single thing you possibly can. So like the Panthers apparently reached out to Pat Fitzgerald. I don't think Pat yeah. Fitzgerald is a particularly, particularly good football coach, but you should be doing everything you can to talk to everyone you can when you're literally trying to build the future of your franchise. So I like what Dude, they're doing. I've met Pat Fitzgerald a couple of times. He used to come into the Wall Street Journal and hang out with us. Was, I live in Chicago, and, so I know a lot about Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't think Pat Fitzgerald can name five NFL teams. I'm sure he I think can't. He, I don't think he can. I mean, he's he's so into to Northwestern. It's actually unbelievable. But I I think that you should talk to everyone you possibly can. Sit no, down. I know. no, no, no. I know. Interview well, Pat, 40 Pat Fitzgerald guys. said no. I, he said no. There, there, there were reports that apparently Pat Fitz, it's bears or bust for Pat Fitzgerald. I cannot wait for Pat Fitzgerald to get the bears job in 2022. I will, I will walk into Lake Michigan with boulders attached to my ankles. No, we talked, so we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but the ability to, the ability to, to keep an eye on the NFL is actually a huge part of, I think NFL success. And that's why I think you, you, hear someone like Matt Rule or I've talked to Lincoln Riley and they kind of know what schemes are working, which coaches have worked and that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, this could work at the NFL level. And then again, it's what we said a couple weeks ago. Like, I don't think Debo Swinney knows who Tom Brady is. Like some of these guys are just college, college brained, college specialists. If you had to put money on it right now, speaking of Lincoln Riley, we'll, we'll move on from the coaching conversation in a second here. If you had to put money on it right now, who do you think is the Dallas Cowboys head coach in 2020? I would, you know, my favorite outcome would be they do a full coaching search and Jerry Jones decides his guy is Jason Garrett. <laughs> so this here's is the, funny, the guy. It's funny because if you took the names out of the equation and you just did a coaching search, Jerry Jones would pick Jason Garrett. He it's absolutely like, it's would. like, remember the, the Black Mirror episode? Where uh, people just keep getting matched up, and then they run all the simulations. You know what I'm talking about? The yes, dating app thing. Yes, yes, It's like that, and they've run <laughs> 20 million simulations <sighs> of the Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones relationship. J- and Jason every single Garrett. time, every single time, Jerry Jones picks Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett and Jerry Jones end up in that like whatever that like weird hotel room is every yeah. single time. Yeah. Well, let's. Let's leave that part out. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I understand what you're no, saying. No, it's not. It's not going to be Jason Garrett. It's going to be I I, I kind of want it to be Urban Meyer, but I can also uh, that's see the, Urban that's Meyer. The name I, that's the name I keep landing on. I, I, I kind of think that Urban Meyer is going to look at the situation. I mean, Brian Curtis was on this show a couple weeks ago. It is. There's so much that comes along with being the Cowboys coach. Yes, it is just different and it's not all football at all. Yep. And I wonder if Urban Meyer is going to be like, what the hell is this? Or if, and Brian Curtis made this point, Urban Meyer wanted to be the Florida coach, wanted to be the Ohio State coach. He likes crown jewel type things. And I think that there is a real case to be made that he would want that challenge. 
if I had to put money on it right now, I would say it's Urban Meyer. But the Cowboys are not going to make the playoffs, so let's not spend a ton of time on this. Let's get to stock up. And speaking of teams not making the playoffs, let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals because I watched LSU play football yesterday. And the LSU quarterback is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, most likely. And that dude is really freaking good, man. I, I don't, I'll be really curious to see what happens there. I think they could get a king's ransom for him if they wanted it. And I am fascinated as to how that's going to play out. So I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to draft Joe Burrow. I think they do too, because they're a boring franchise. So I think okay. they will do the, the safest thing well, possible. I think that the best way to not be a boring franchise anymore is to take Joe Burrow and have him throw the ball over the field. I will say I think that. So too. I think so too. Okay. With Joe Burrow, let's let's just start irrationally hyping him up for his rookie year. What are the expectations for a guy like Burrow coming into a team like the Bengals who have two-win talent? I mean, Zach Taylor did probably exactly what he was supposed to do this year, which is win two games with a roster that was that was going to win two games. I mean, A.J. Green, their best player, wasn't playing all season and kind of shut it down after week 13 or 14, whatever it was, um, when pretend, I, I don't even know the situation, but he didn't play all year, right? And he just, Zach Taylor didn't have much to work with. So now you bring in Joe Burrow in this situation. Do they go pull kind of an Arizona Cardinal situation where they go out and they they build a little bit of a team around him, or do they kind of let the bottom fall out again next year? What do you see the Burrow Bengals look like? So I love Joe Burrow. Like I he I, I tweeted this this morning. He is my favorite college quarterback of the last like ten years. I love the style he plays with. I love his pocket presence. I love how accurate he is down the field. I love his ambition down the field. He is mm-hmm. my favorite. He, I, I love watching him play in LSU's offense. Joe Burrow, and I, I wrote about this a couple months ago, and I talked to people in the league about it. Joe Burrow is not an exceptional talent. Joe Burrow is not Pat Mahomes. And I think that's, impo- that's important to keep in mind. Because I feel like Joe Burrow needs a system that's going to allow him to succeed. If we, if you drop Joe Burrow into Deshaun Watson's situation in Houston, it's not going to go well. Mm-hmm. So by virtue of having Joe Burrow, I don't think it makes you great. So even, And I think Kyler Murray is similar. I like the, the Cliff-Kyler pairing. I think that there was a good idea. I think it's going to go well. But even Kyler Murray, I think by virtue of him being Kyler Murray is a more transformative player than Joe Burrow is. I think you need Joe Burrow in the right situation. And I don't know if next year in Cincinnati is the right situation. I think Joe Burrow is obviously an incredibly special player. I think that I, I don't know. I actually haven't watched enough film and talked to enough people to, to sort of have an opinion on your specific thought. That he's not a Patrick Mahomes type talent, but I do think Seeing what I see at this point, I think that he's at least going to make the Browns better than he, he the looks Browns. Like the so he's going to be the Browns quarterback the Browns. now. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. At, I, I'm actually looking at Browns Bengals highlights. That's that's how it happened. But um, he's going to make. He's probably. Uh, I mean, he the Bengals did make the Browns better, by the way, by by beating them and they absolutely did. Fired. Having said that, Joe Burrow, uh, I think, is the type of player who immediately can almost like Kyler was this year, even though they're extremely different players, he can show so much of a flash that he makes them competitive in games they shouldn't be. Are they going to win seven games next year? Probably not. 
But are they going to be competitive because Joe Burrow is going to have some awesome games? Yeah. And those are the expectations. So I, if we're talking about Joe's, I am really curious what's going to happen with Joe Brady. Because if I were an NFL team, I would offer him $5 million a year to be my, my offensive coordinator. Like right now. Oh, well, does it upset you that he's younger than us? It's, it's crazy that he's two years younger than me. I, 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 was I, just, I, I can't even imagine it. I covered high school football when I was in college, and it was the years that he was playing for Everglades High School, and I was very afraid and actually looking through the clips to make sure I never covered a game of his or else I was just going to walk into the Baltimore <laughs> Harbor. I did not. We, I covered we, we've done Smith. a lot of walking into bodies of water tonight. Different it's, bodies it's of water. Of you got to switch it up. You got to switch it up. All right. Um, what's Any next? more stock ups you want to hit? No. I mean, I think that there's, um, I, I mean, I guess it, 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 the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that the Eagles and the Titans, they took care of business when they had to. And, and I think there's something to that because there are a lot of teams today that either one didn't like New England or two made it a lot harder than it had to be. Like well, the, the, I think the Eagles, the Eagles made it a little bit hard. I mean, God bless that defense. I mean, I think they, so Carson Wentz, I saw Dan Harlovsky tweet. Um, and in some ways I agree with him that what Carson Wentz did this year is more impressive than some the stuff he did in 2017. I, I, I love, I love Dan, but Dan, Dan has a blind spot for Carson and, and Matthew Stafford. That's, <laughs> that's Dan's thing. He loves them okay. both so much. And so, but I, I think that someone had to win that division. So I don't think that we're going to look at Carson Wentz's season and, t- and put it up next to, you know, Dan Marino in 1984 here. But he he has been competent with a incredibly, incredibly bland cast of, of receivers. Zach Ertz. I agree with that. Has, Zach Ertz has what apparently is uh, quite a serious injury. And who the hell knows what, what's going to happen in the short term there. So I think that Carson Wentz's ability to run some competence here in the face of all of these injuries and the defense's ability to just, you know, to just generally uh, get things done and get to a point where they could win a really crappy division. There's at least some, some kudos that, that should be thrown their way. I agree with you. And I, I do think that they will be a good team next year. I think that if they get even slightly healthy, you have you know younger guys coming into more prominent roles. We'll see what happens. But I just again, we talk about smart franchises. Smart fr- smart franchises tend to succeed, and I think that they're a smart franchise. And I just groaned. Lo- I just groaned because I realized I want to pick them to win the Super Bowl next year. Uh, by the way, buddy, guess what's on the table now? Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl. Let's oh yeah. Let's let's which do we this. Both, which we both picked, right? Yes. It is in. It is. Can I tell you a funny story? Can I tell you a funny story? Is you, that sure, I'm sure you sure can. The the I was sent the picks in the preseason to Megan Schuster, and I said Chiefs over Eagles, and then I sent my blurb, and I was just doing a million things at once, and I sent a justification for the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. I don't and believe you I, whatsoever. I, I promise <laughs> you, I have the slacks. It doesn't matter. The Chiefs aren't going to win the Super Bowl either. And, oh, I and don't know. So, I don't know. It doesn't matter. And then I was, I had to think about which one I actually believed because I went back and forth on it. And then I decided that I was, I was just going to stick with the Eagles. It was fine. When the Eagles fine. beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, we're going to look like freaking geniuses. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. No, it's, it was definitely, 
it wasn't it wasn't that i waffle it wasn't that i changed my mind or, or anything like that it was just that i kept going back and forth on who was going to win my hypothetical super bowl to the point that i i'd even outthought myself all right tough before scene. we get before we get out of here let uh let us tip our cap to the most important thing that happened today Jameis winston 30 30 for 30 30 and 30 I, I I was watching that game with bated breath. I, I the the Packers. I've, I'm in New York right now, and I, I had to watch out because there was the TV situation where I'm staying was not appropriate for watching a lot of games at once. And I made them put on the Falcons, forty the Falcons Buccaneers game, and it was right next to the Packers Lions game. I was so much more interested in the Buccaneers game and watching Jameis. But uh, the guy sitting next to me, I told him like he's two away from thirty, and all of us were like cheering when he threw both interceptions. It was Jameis Winston throwing picks can you know it brings people together. It really is a special thing. The so first of all, Jameis Winston after the game was like. If I got rid of those, I'd be the best, which is an amazing <laughs> thing to say. It was an five, amazing five years thing in his career. Say. It was awesome. It was an awesome thing for him to say. The Bruce Arians press conference <laughs> afterwards was unbelievable. Everyone, everyone did a great job. Everyone did. It almost reminds me a little bit of part of the reason that the Saints and Rams game was so interesting was that everybody after the game just played their role. Like Tommy Lee Lewis, who was a receiver, like told the story of getting hit like a million times to like five different throngs of media. And then Nicole Roby Coleman uh, kept talking about how he just hit the crap out of him. And it was just like everyone was just in the press conference was like, yeah, that happened. And that's kind of the Jameis 30 or 30 thing is the Bruce Arians going to describe these things in detail. Jameis Winston's going to be really funny about it, albeit unintentionally. Like this is we're getting the full Jameis Winston turnover experience here. So Jameis Winston, five years into his career, mm-hmm. has, has thrown 88 interceptions. Okay. I love it. That is, that would be tied for 141st all time in the NFL. By the way, Mark Sanchez is 149. He's only been in the league for five years. So number one ever is Brett Favre, obviously, right? Yeah. So Favre threw 59 more interceptions than any other quarterback of all time. George Blanda is number two. And George Blanda played well into his 40s. Man, George uh, Blanda. George Blanda is number two. John Hadel. Vinny, Vinny obviously is number four because Vinny played, you know, for 37 years. I am really ex- the only reason I care about Jameis Winston's career at this point is to see how many interceptions he throws if he ends up playing a 15-year career. Dude, John Hadel and Fran Tarkenton both threw a ton of picks for only playing. They each Fran played 17, Hadel played 15, 16. 16. But it, yeah, it, but those that was a different era. Like passing was not nearly as efficient to throw 30 interceptions in a world where it's easier to throw the ball than it's ever been is truly beautiful. I I just can't I, I we will never talk enough about the the year that Jameis Winston just had. He threw thirty interceptions in twenty nineteen. It, it's 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 absolutely amazing. Someone's they're just gonna franchise tag him. I love it. 
I, I he's asking for thirty million dollars a year, apparently. So yeah, a million I mean, dollars per interception. Getting for different things, man. I don't know, man. When it comes to quarterbacks, I'm not sure they're that different. All right, that's all we got. It is. Yes. 1 20 a.m. where I am. So it's time to There's go to bed. There's a ton. I am also on the East Coast. Ton more to get to. Obviously, playoff, individual playoff matchups, coaching stuff. I think there's we'll probably We'll get to that on more, Thursday. Yeah, there's probably going to be more fallout from the strange non pass interference review that would have changed everything and gotten Robert Mays out of his very, very pessimistic Seahawks rant. And um, so I think that there's a lot to unpack on Thursday. I want want to address this very quickly before we get out of here. It's not about Seahawks pessimism. I am optimistic about the Seahawks. I think they're a good football team. It's more a question of if you take path B instead of path A, what happens? I want to make this clear. I think the Seahawks are a good team. If the Seahawks made the Super Bowl, I would not even blink at it. I just am wondering what would be different if they chose a slightly different path. That's it. That's all. I'm just trying to get myself out of this right now. That's all. Too late. Guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. We'll be back on Thursday.